Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If I testify about myself... My testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent John that he has testified to the truth, not that I accept human testimony. But I mention that it, I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works of the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified, himself has testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. But you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think that I will accuse you before the the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to say, believe what I say? The Gospel of the Lord. Southern Church. Kind of. When I was a... child, my parents rarely went to church except for Easter and Christmas at best. And uh, I never really got to know who Christ was. When I was a teenager, my parents had settled finally into a small community um, where I actually met my wife. And we never attended church even then. Now, I decided that I felt called to go 
I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know why I wanted to go, but I felt that I needed to go. And so I started attending one of the three Lutheran churches in town. I think by the time it was all said and done, I had actually become a member at all three of them. I, however, decided to go a different route. I thought when I was out of high school that I knew who Christ was. I thought that I had it all figured out. I didn't need to go to church. I didn't need to read my Bible. I was saved. That was all that mattered. It took until my mid-twenties when God came knocking on my door. And it wasn't so much of a knock as it was he kicked the door down and woke me up. I was at a job that I was struggling at mentally, emotionally. I was just not happy with anything in life. I had been pursuing this desire of wealth and happiness that the world tries to offer us. And I came to realize that this is all rubbish. Christ was starting to reveal himself to me so much that there is so much more in him. And yet, even then, I still didn't know really who Jesus was. I knew that he was, you know, the Lord and Savior. I knew that if I believe in Jesus, my, I'm going to have eternal life. But I didn't really know anything beyond those very simple aspects of Christ. My wife and I started attending a church just down the road from us, and that was where I started to really become more aware of who he really was. It just so happened that the first sermon series they did in this church was on the book of Revelation, which for somebody new in Christ is a lot to take upon himself. I wouldn't have ever, if looking back on that, I wouldn't ever declare myself to be a Christian up until this juncture in my life. I was more or less just somebody who thought he knew what was best for himself and then tagged the name Christian on at the end. And when we got to, through this series, I had started to read and explore more theology. I started to actually pick up my Bible and read it. And even though it still took me a long time to get through a simple gospel, I was starting to put some of these pieces together. The church had finally started to preach to me who Christ actually was. And it just dawned on me in that moment that this was exactly what I needed. All of these years of chasing this world down and trying to find fulfillment, I was trying to do this all on my own. I was trying to manage my family on my own. I was trying to be the best husband and the best son, the best son-in-law, and I just was always coming up short And yet, it was only through Christ that delivered me from this works righteousness that I was so keen to holding on to. That it was my works, it was my good behavior that would get me into heaven. And it took a few years, but I finally came to realize that I had a calling that was a little bit higher than what I was currently doing. And uh, through a few years of ministry, I ended up here, standing behind a pulpit preaching about Christ. Five years ago, I probably would have laughed at this idea, thinking that I am not going to ever become a preacher. And yet, I feel no greater conviction on my heart than to stand behind here and teach about who Jesus is. And so when I was debating what I wanted to talk about, I came to this kind of a roadblock, if you would. I have the privilege of being here for the next few weeks which I am greatly honored. My wife and I love coming up here. 
And so I figured, what better opportunity than to preach about Christ? And so in the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at Jesus. We're going to take a look at salvation and a few other aspects of the Christian faith. And I figured, what better time and what better way than right around Christmas season as we are building up to the greatest event in the world's history, the birth of our Savior. So today we are going to look at John chapter 5, and we're actually going to take a journey through all of Scripture. Now this particular topic in itself is warrant to about a year or more sermons worth of study. There's so much content to it that I can't squeeze this all into 20 minutes or less. But I'm going to try my hardest, and I hope that it is edifying to you. So we're going to look at a few aspects to what uh, Jesus is telling us in the story here. And I'm going to hopefully start to unpack who Christ is beyond our simple idea and concepts. So as John mentions here, Jesus has many forms of witnesses that are bearing upon him. We have the word of God that has proclaimed him from Genesis to Revelation. We have the human witness in John the Baptist, and then we have the miracles of Christ, who are a witness to his majesty. So when we look at the word of God, a couple things we must understand. This Bible is not our God. It is simply a road map. If you would, it's a path to Christ. It is our treasure map to him. Some people, unfortunately, do happen to worship this good book. They pull out a few pieces of scripture, and they build their entire doctrines off of these verses. And they live and they die by what these three or four, or maybe in a chapter or two, say. Some of them hang on the very threads of the translations. This is an English Standard Version, fairly common in today's world, but some will say that a King James only is the only translation that is worthy of God's word. And yet, when we get to that level, we are actually worshiping this Bible. When in fact that it is the infallible word of God, but it is not our object of worship. Worship That is Christ alone. This book points us to who Jesus is. It tells us and it unfolds the mysteries that God has laid out for us. All scripture points to Christ. Paul tells us in Romans 3, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The entire Old Testament is a testament to Christ. We see that in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. We see it in the major and the minor prophets. All of them are pointing to the coming Messiah. Jesus is the peak of God's redemptive plan laid out from the very beginning of creation. He is, in fact, our greater exodus. As we talk today in Exodus 3, we note that Jesus is the greater liberator than Moses ever was. Moses delivered the Israelites from enslavement. Jesus delivers us from enslavement to sin. He is our greater rest. He tells us to come to him, all who are weary and burdened, And he will give us rest. And he is the greatest prophet 
Even Moses says that a greater prophet will come and will be raised up after him. Jesus is proclaimed by David all through the Psalms. We have prophecies that are proclaimed about the birth of Messiah. We have Psalms written concerning his nature, his name, and his ministry. And many more Psalms are written concerning his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation. When we get to the New Testament, it kicks off with Matthew and the genealogy of Christ, showing the proper bloodline that God has promised. Mark and Luke open with an introduction to John the Baptist, who happens to be our first human witness to Christ. And when we get to John, this gospel is a little different. This gospel is actually a dedication to who Christ is, declaring his deity. And it starts off, John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This different approach sets it apart from the other three. It sets itself as being a book solely dedicated to laying out who Christ truly is. When we look at John the Baptist, our first human witness, his divine mission of him was to point out to the true light. It wasn't John that was trying to become famous. He himself was pointing to a greater one. He cries out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. John knew from the very beginning who Christ was and his whole purpose. In Luke chapter 1, when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth and she hears that Mary has arrived, John jumps in the womb because he knows his Lord and Savior is in his presence. Now think about that for a moment. From the very beginning, John's purpose, his mission, was to proclaim who Christ was. John goes on to tell us, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I don't know how much clearer we can get than this very statement. Right off the bat, John is proclaiming the deity of Christ. The Savior has come. The Messiah is here. In our text, Jesus points back to John. He says that he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And that light is Christ. As John has proclaimed over and over who Jesus is. A true witness does not bear their own light, as John is not doing here, but carries the light of Christ. This is what our world is crying out for today. We need to be light bearers. We need to be proclaiming the word of Christ to all people at all times. Now the Jews entertained this John, for a short while, they entertained his proclaiming of a Messiah coming. Because in most cases, this is what the Jews had been anticipating. They were seeking the redemption. But they weren't looking for who Christ truly was. They were looking to be liberated from the Romans. And so when Christ came on the scene, it wasn't exactly what they had anticipated. But similar to what we experience today, unfortunately... When we attend church, we seek to get things out of it. 
to make ourselves feel better, happier, fluffier. And when all the Jews had heard about John's proclaiming of Christ, they tagged along. They hung in there. And even when early in Jesus' ministry, when he was proclaiming the goodness and the happiness of the kingdom of heaven, and he was feeding the magnitudes, he drew thousands of people to him. And that's kind of what our church has become today. Even through the time we see people flocking here because of a good, happy message and self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction. And yet when the requirements of who Christ is start to weigh upon us, when we start to realize that there is a weight and a burden and a cross to carry, churches start to thin out. And only the true disciples of Christ remain. Our next witness of Christ is his works. And as powerful of a witness as John gave us, we still have one greater yet. All of the works that Jesus has done that are included in all of the Gospels. In fact, John tells us at the end of his Gospel that Jesus did many more things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. That's astonishing. In this time period, the ministry of Jesus lasted three years. And he did so much in terms of miracles that there wouldn't be enough space in the world to conclude it all. This could be an exaggeration, sure. But think about it for a minute. If John is writing this, and what John has witnessed in his three years with Christ, all of these works, we see seen healing of the sick, feeding thousands, raising people from the dead, and these are just a glimpse of what we get in the Gospels. I am floored by just even trying to think about all of these works that he has done, all of the miracles that he has performed. And yet, some were not very happy about it. The Pharisees were rather upset with all the works that Christ was doing. They were rather, they were rather upset over the miracles he performed, mainly on the Sabbath. You know, and the unfortunate side to the Pharisees is they never actually investigated the miracle. They were so caught up in the law that Moses had gave them that they were willing to persecute Christ because of a work that he completed on the Sabbath. And it wasn't really the miracles that drove them to kill Jesus, but in fact it was one of the actions and one of the statements that he made. Your sins are forgiven. How can this man forgive sin? Only God has that power. And this is what drove the Pharisees to persecute Christ. This is what drove them to nail him to a cross. And this very reason is why Christ is our proper object of faith. It is because Jesus is God that he has the authority to forgive all of our sins. And yet, we must understand that simple faith in Christ is not enough. Cults and false religions have faith in objects and teachers and people, but yet that faith is rendered useless. False religions provide no hope of salvation and no forgiveness of sin. Our faith must be in Christ. We must cling to the promise that our sins 
are forgiven and to hold on to that promise. He is, in fact, the only way to the Father. He alone provides the perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And he defeated death in his resurrection to ensure our eternal life. Now, it is one thing to say that I'm going to die for your sins and stay dead. I didn't achieve anything. I didn't accomplish anything. I just died. But Christ took that promise to the cross and said that he would be raised in three days. And guess what? He was raised in three days, ensuring that this is the Son of God. Faith in anything less is foolish. Faith in any other world religion results in no salvation or life, eternal life. But you know, it goes beyond religions and cults. It's where we put our hearts and our minds and our attentions to today. Our jobs, social media, our families, our material conquests. While these things are well and good, they will rot, rust, and decay away. Paul tells us perfectly in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith. Into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Which leads me to my final point, that Christ is equal to God. He is a part of the Godhead. And this is exactly why the Jews were seeking to kill him. Not because he was simply breaking the law on the Sabbath, but that he was calling himself the Son of God. If we look in Matthew, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they, and they said, some, of, some say John the Baptist Others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now we must take note. John the Baptist came to proclaim Christ. He made the statements that this is the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. But it's not John that is revealing this to us. It's the Father. And only through the Father is Christ revealed to us. Jesus continues to refer to himself as God, refer to God as his Father. In John chapter 2, Jesus says, Stop making my Father's house a marketplace. Again, in John 3.16, he refers himself to as the Son of God. And when him and the disciples are discussing eating in John 4, he responds, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The him who sent me is God the Father, sending God his Son into the world. His name is to be exalted above all names. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that when the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee will bow to the Son of God. 
And he lines himself perfectly up here in John, in a dialogue in John, when he's discussing Abraham with the, the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Which is a direct reflection to our reading today in Exodus chapter 3. Jesus making the proclamation that I am God. He is described as a, in Scripture as a member of the eternal Godhead, as we noted in today's second reading in Colossians. Christ is undeniably the Son of God. And now, this is just a very short snippet of the deity of Christ. We could spend years going through Scripture and pointing out all of the aspects to who Christ is. And I stress this topic because it's something that we should take home and have great comfort in, knowing the God that we serve is the true God of Scripture, that Christ is the Son of God. We don't serve a false hope. We don't serve a God that has not promised us salvation or eternal life, but we promise one that has. No other name carries this kind of authority. No other false religion can make this truth statement that Christ has declared. We can go forth today with no fear, no worries, nothing holding us back from sharing this gospel. This is the deity of Christ. This is the God that we serve, the Son of the living God. That your sins are forgiven. This is a promise that we can carry to the end of our lives. Amen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.